I'm Andrew Schenkelin. This is the Tree Podcast, and this time we're talking about the ongoing methane leak coming from a natural gas storage facility outside of Los Angeles. It's now been over 100 days since a well at the Aliso Canyon Natural Gas Storage Facility began spewing methane into the atmosphere and doing so at an alarming rate. What is happening now with this one broken, failed well um, in, uh, in the canyon um, is not insignificant. That's Dr. Sandra Steingraber, a biologist and public health expert who studies and writes about climate change, ecology, and the links between human health and the environment. I mean, this one leak more than doubled the methane emissions of the greater Los Angeles basin, um, and it's actually surpassed um, all the methane released from all of California's industrial operations. Um, and, you know, we, we keep hearing these statistics about how this one leaking well is the equivalent of adding a half a million cars to California and running them for a, a year. Um, and, and essentially this one leaking well just wiped out everything that, that Governor Brown has tried to do in terms of um, address climate change and be a climate leader. He, he just, all this, one, this one broken well just undid all that just like that. The whole natural gas infrastructure is kind of a ticking time bomb. In the community of Porter Ranch, California, not far from the Aliso Canyon leak, it was a smell that tipped residents off. Here's Food and Water Watch's Alex Nagy. There's a, a chemical that they add to natural gas to give it a smell, so you can recognize when there's a leak and fix that leak. Um, and that odorant is called mercaptan, um, and it was so overpowering that residents called 911 and they called the local air district to report the smell. The fire department and the local air district confirmed that there was a leak, that there was, in fact, a leak happening at this facility. And then, really, within the first week, we started to immediately see health problems um, and sickness. The odorant causes a lot of issues, but there's also been benzene and toluene and other types of toxins that are coming out of that facility. Reports of headaches, nausea, and nosebleeds all followed, and the community began pressing both Southern California gas and regulators to do something while attempt after attempt to stop the leak failed and methane and other gases poured into the community. About a month into the leak, we got we won a relocation order, so the health department um, sent a directive to the gas company saying, you need to relocate anybody who wants to be relocated for free. 12,000 people are now living elsewhere. That's 2,800 families. The facility has not been shut down. The leak continues. It's just a nightmare situation. People are terrified and people feel like this. they can't move back home. There's no such thing as you know, a safe facility and they won't feel safe in their homes until this facility is shut down. The South Coast Air Quality Management District has sued Southern Gas Company for negligence and Governor Jerry Brown has declared a state of emergency. But when the community asked the Air Quality Management District to require Southern Gas to drain the facility of all of its gas, they did not deliver. That would have stopped the leak, and that's what we were asking for, but it didn't happen. Um, And instead asked them to do air monitoring, more air monitoring, um, a health study. While the study and the leak continue, families are mostly watching from afar. The Aliso Canyon Storage Facility is one of 400 facilities like it around the U.S., and it's one of the largest. More than 1,000 miles away, a gas facility planned for the banks of Seneca Lake in the Finger Lakes region of New York prompted a citizen uprising recently, and that drew the attention of Dr. Steingraber. 
We have these old underground salt storage, salt caverns left over from a century of salt mining. That's what we're, what, that's what our oil and gas industry in the form of a Texas-based company called Crestwood has its eye on. That's our version of your depleted oil field. It's a bunch of old salt mines under the ground that they want to pump the pressurized natural gas and also, in our case, also two other gases um, that are fracked out of the ground, butane and propane, the so-called LPGs, liquefied petroleum gases. And so we've been um, following the Porter Ranch um, story very closely and also uh, since my field happens to be um, public health biology, um, been looking closely at the health risks of um, methane. Methane is what makes a local disaster like what's happening in Porter Ranch globally significant. It's both a global warming concern and a global health concern. Even though methane is very common, uh, it, the amount of toxicology and epidemiology that has been done on methane exposure is very little. And so, of course, um, Absence of study is not the same as absence of harm. <laughs> That's one of the tenets of toxicology. So let me just read to you some quotes from the toxicology and public health literature about methane exposure. Quote, there are currently no tests available to evaluate the health effects of methane. And quote, reproductive and developmental effects of methane are not known. So in other words, we have no idea what the impact of um, methane exposure at, at these concentrations is doing to, for example, pregnant women. Um, or nursing mothers. We just don't know. Um, but we do know some things, and that is that methane in the environment is not just a fixed substance, right? So methane, um, for those chemists out there, <laughs> is one carbon and four hydrogens. That's a very light uh, molecule. It is lighter than air and will rise uh, out of the ground and into the atmosphere, as we've seen. Um, but once it's up there in the air, it, it's, um, it's volatile. It doesn't just stay as methane. And when it's struck by sunlight through a kind of complicated series of reactions, um, that methane can lose two of its hydrogens, and those two bonds get replaced by oxygen. And that molecule, one carbon, two hydrogens, and an oxygen, is called formaldehyde. It always comes back to science and specifically chemistry when we're talking about climate change, and methane chemically changing into formaldehyde adds to the reasons to be concerned, according to Dr. Steingraber. And so what we know about formaldehyde is a lot. Formaldehyde is a known human carcinogen, um, and it's linked especially to um, cancers of the, the nose and throat and head, and it also can contribute to nosebleeds. And so what we see in a lot of um, the symptomology of Porter Ranch residents are, um, are, well, they're very generic symptoms, but they do include symptoms that are consistent with formaldehyde exposure. And they're also the same kinds of symptoms that we see in people who live close to compressor stations where there's a lot of leakage of, of methane that also turns into formaldehyde. The root of most of these problems is the inherently flawed infrastructure that natural gas and fossil fuels in general require, be them compressor stations in Seneca Lake or former oil wells in Aliso Canyon. Alex Nagy. The well that's been leaking is over 60 years old. Um, there's a lot of this, these very old wells with no safety equipment, no safety valves. Um, and so this is just one of many leaks that have happened at this facility. We know that you know, natural gas infrastructure is inherently leaking and, and risky and dangerous. Um, but when you have these massive storage facilities right next to our communities in the event of any kind of accident, which 
they are inevitable. Um, they put thousands of people in harm's way. And the concerns of inherently flawed infrastructure are only raised when you consider the possibility of more investments in more of this infrastructure and facilities that can liquefy this gas so it can be shipped all over the world, which again amplifies the methane problem, as Dr. Steingraber explains. The natural gas that's stored in Asilo Canyon and here at Seneca Lake is pressurized, but it's not turned into a liquid. Um, but you can liquefy it if you bring the temperature down to 260 degrees. And that's how you get natural gas across oceans and places where pipelines can't run, can't run. And in order to keep it cold, because if it doesn't stay that cold, it will explode. Um, the way you do that is through evaporative cooling, sweating. So you actually vent methane, liquid, in this case liquid, it turns into a gas. And whenever you have evaporation, of course, that's how we cool ourselves down when we go running and sweat, right? So you're, you're actually, by design, leaking large amounts of methane into the atmosphere. So in other words, what I'm saying is that it's not like we can, like, employ a team of plumbers for the atmosphere to go around <laughs> to all the pieces of equipment from the underground gas storage facilities in depleted oil fields and, in our case, in salt caverns here at Seneca Lake, um, all the way through the pipelines, the compressor stations to the burner tip and fix all the leaks. We can't do it. And so that's why it's a, just a flawed technology. It's just a bad idea. So the rallying cry, shut it all down, comes from very good climate science. And the, that climate science has health implications too. I mean, the, the, the crumbling stability of our climate is considered the number one threat now to children born today. So in other words, we're not talking about seven generations from now. We're talking about the kids across the dinner table from us every night, including my two children. It, it, climate change is a serial killer, and it's coming after children born now in their lifetimes. And so it becomes a crisis of parenting to deal with this. Um, and so it takes all we've got uh, and, you know, with science and citizen uh, activism um, to, to insist that places like Asilo Canyon are simply shut down, uh, and we use this moment now uh, to deny um, gas to all those gas-fired power plants and do something completely different that isn't relying on fossils. Because if we keep fixing this stuff and keep building it out, we are laying infrastructure that whose profits are amortized past the point of no return for the climate where we've already crossed the Rubicon. And that is our tree podcast. Please check out WeAreSenecaLake.org and be sure to follow Save Porter Ranch on Twitter and Facebook and check out Food and Water Watch on Twitter and Facebook as well. And of course, to subscribe to get our alerts emailed into your inbox as well as invitations to listen in on these recordings of our podcast and ask our guests questions live, go to treealerts.org.